Yo, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm joined by Ryan, writer of the comic book Rune Nation. How are you doing, Ryan? Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, before we get too far, let can you give us a quick rundown of what Rune Nation is all about? Sure. So Rune Nation is a fantasy adventure uh, comic series that takes place in a world that um, has essentially kind of been destroyed by this war that's been going on for hundreds of years between this nation called Saldiria and these rebels known as the the fallen um so the story kind of picks up where uh there's been 40 years of a truce and and Saldiria has kind of been rebuilding itself um when suddenly the fallen reappear and attack and um we kind of start setting off with an adventure with our main characters and seeing how they they kind of react to um the start of this war which all of our main characters are kind of in their their 20s so they've only known you know the peaceful world um so uh, we we kind of get to see how this new generation reacts to the the restarting of this you know very long very lengthy conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's is there anybody that's been alive out of the main characters that's been alive when the war first started? Uh, there's definitely a, a few. So, for instance, our primary antagonist uh, Silas is just about that about that age where he's yeah. he's seen kind of the the tail end of the war. Um, but for the most part. What's kind of interesting about this world is, you know, the conflict went on for so long that the lifespan of people was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So people generally were dying much faster than they could kind of record history. So we actually don't know at the beginning of the story why the war started, where kind of what like a lot of knowledge has kind of been lost to time. Um, So you'll see in a few places where, um, you know, we you may see kind of references to what old life might have been like. But, yeah. you know, you might see technology that people don't understand anymore. Um, you, you know, people may not know the, the actual history. So um, a, a lot of it, you kind of have to question if you're getting the right information from certain people. Yeah. Um, you know, it, is this really what happened 100 years ago? Because for the most part, people just don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of that, like, untrustworthy narrator kind of thing going on. A lot of mystery. And I have a question for you. There's something I spot on one of the panels. I was like, that doesn't seem right. So we'll talk about it once we get there. Uh, but let's first talk about you a bit, Ryan. Um, have you worked on comic books before this one? Yeah. So my my first um, kind of book that I worked on was kind of right before the pandemic. Actually, came out right at the start of the pandemic. So um, I was talked into not jumping into doing a continuing series, which is what the smart thing to to do. Um, but instead of doing a short and releasing it, I did a collection of six shorts and released it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably a little bit too much for a first time, but um, so it was called Curiosities from Another World. Um, it was self-published. Um, you can get physical copies through, you know, the Kickstarters or on uh, uh, Indie Planet. Um, but so that's a a collection of six stories that all take place in a, in a, a single city. Um, it is a you know fantasy sci-fi kind of kind of themed stories, and they're all, they're all kind of like little vignettes that that give you a little bit of a um, kind of a short lesson, also giving you a peek into that particular world. Yeah. So you, are you actually your own publisher then? I mean, I'm, I'm essentially, uh, you know, I, 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 I call my publisher curious perspective comics. I'm essentially, yeah. yeah um, self-publishing under, under my own name. That's why I was surprised that you had done the uh, curiosity one too. Cause I was like, wait a minute, I know that's by the same, same team, you know? So I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool that you're doing that on yourself. That's ambitious for your first comic book to come out with the six parter like that. And, and it looks great too. I was looking at the artwork on that one. It looks really cool. 
Yeah. yeah, it was it was good because it kind of forced me to learn how to do everything pretty quickly. Like I was kind of managing six different art teams for the most part, um, which again, I don't recommend anyone do that. It was a lot um, and and kind of, but, but it, you know, kind of put my feet to the fire and I got used to the process pretty quickly. And um, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was really fun to do and, and ended up being, um, you know, I obviously I loved it so much that I ended up jumping into ruination after that. Yeah. What have what from that first project have you taken forward? It sounds like you know project management was one of them, but is there any other like lessons you've learned along the way? Uh, I mean, it helped the the benefit to working with so many different artists was that I kind of got you know a wide band of like kind of seeing how different artists work and mm-hmm. figuring out kind of what works best and what what doesn't. Um, you know, I, I a lot of people ask you know, how should I approach my artist? And I, I always tell people that's not the right way to ask the question. The question, you should go to the artist and say, how do you want to work with me? Because um, mm-hmm. some artists do like you to kind of micromanage them. Some like you to put timelines on them and some don't. Some like you to have a super detailed script where like every panel is a single page with all kinds of descriptions. And some just want you to have two bits of dialogue and guy A does this to guy B. You know, like, yeah. and you know, you got to find the happy medium that works for your art team. And, um, that, that was a good lesson that kind of came from that project. That is excellent advice right there that I don't think anybody would, uh, you know, initially come up with like, Oh, let me ask them. That's really helpful. Uh, and it's just really good teamwork in general, <laughs> letting everybody yeah. do their th- jobs. That's pretty cool. Uh, what other comic books other than, you know, your own has inspired your work? Have you pulled from like Stanley or something big like that? Jack Kirby? I, I mean, I, I grew up as a, as a Marvel guy. Um, and I kind of, you know, I was heavy X-Men Spider-Man reader when I was younger. And then I kind of left comics for quite a while and then came back, uh, to it, you know, probably like five years ago. Um, so I'm still kind of getting into the indie world, but that's kind of where my focus has been. I'm still, still catching up on reading, um, a lot of the cool Marvel stuff that that's come out. But, um, you know, for example, one of the indie books that I always pick up is, is die. Um, cause I, I just, I really love how that book kind of marries both the storytelling and just the visual graphic design of the book. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I, as a newer comic book creator, you know, need to still learn to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that type of stuff is kind of, um, kind of what I've been focusing on lately. Yeah. I'm, I'm noticing, I kind of actually same boat as you as a kid, you know, uh, X-Men all the way and Thor, um, and then took a break. And I'm now getting back into everything about five years ago, too, actually. Uh, what kind of perks are you seeing that's in the indie world that the, the mainstream comic books can't capture? What are you what are you seeing there that's different? I, I mean, I I don't I know a lot of people like to to, to rag on on the big two. Um, I don't quite as much. You know, I the thing that I go to Marvel for is that it is a wonderful universe and you can kind of get a little bit of whatever you want out of it mm-hmm. and that, that's not true for everyone um you know things like rep- representation have come a long way but can get better um but you know you can if you want humor and kind of you know silliness and and graphicness you can go to you can go to deadpool if you want something more serious and you know you can you can go to x-men or something like that if you want a little bit it's both you can go to spider like you can, you yeah. can get a little bit of everything yeah. um you know, the, the indie world is great at one, not being just superheroes, um, and two, kind of giving you self-contained stories. That 
that to me is the biggest weakness of the big two is they don't have an end. And I get why it makes sense from a business perspective, but I, I love stories where you can tell there's a planned end from the beginning. Right. Um, and that's very much something that I approach Ruination with is I know what the ending is. I know exactly when I want to get there. Um, I call it a continuing series, but um, everything has a plan. And I, I, I you know, the constants, we're going to reboot, we're going to re kind of review certain things. And, um, you know, that that gets old sometimes. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm I'd rather if a character dies, just let him die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that is also a really great way to bring in new readers too. With with indie comics, it's like, look, I promise you're not going to have to figure out what happens with Spider Man 1048. Just get in on this one here and check out the six episodes uh, issues, and you're good to go. You know, and it's really fun that way. That's that's probably my biggest criticism of the comic industry is <laughs> it is so hard to get started, yeah, and it's so hard to figure out, you know, where to go. Even like I started with trades when I came back and I was reading an X-Men trade. And then I realized, wait, this trade contains issues one, three, four, five of, of X-Men. What happened to two? And it's because that was technically part of a side story, not part of that arc. Um, and I was like, well, I want to read two. So where do I go to read two? I don't like, might have to wait another year for that to randomly pop open it. Like it was, it was yeah. just way too much effort for, um, for my brain and yeah. I went back to collecting floppies and I I'm okay with it but um it's just it's just way too hard and way too complicated for for people I think yeah yeah trades are a good option though but like I have a few comic book shops and a lot of them don't even carry trades anymore like it's just it's an investment on their end so yeah but anyways indie comics are definitely a great way to go um are there any other comic book creators I know we talked about you know uh die and stuff like that but is there anybody any other comic book creators you see as as your goal? Um, you know, my, the way I kind of jumped into this is because I just want to tell my story. Yeah. I'm my, uh, you know, being honest, I'm not looking to make a career out of this necessarily. I'm not looking to replace my day job. I just want to tell my story. And, and there are certainly people out there that I see that are doing cool things. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily striving to be anyone else because I just, um, I think I've got some cool things to say. I want to share some of those things. I mean, kind of the reason why this started was um, I had just had my daughter and um, I had been a writer for, for many years when I was younger and then kind of same thing, gave it up and um, realized that, you know, you know, some things happened and I was like, you know, there is a chance that I could not be around when she's a teenager. And there are just some things I want to make sure I, I'm able to say to her. I want to make sure that she's able to, know me in some way and um i've i've said from the beginning i want my kids to to know narrative i want them to get exposed to not her to be exposed to that as well um so i said you know the perfect way for me to kind of leave something behind in case i'm not around is is get back into writing and have something for her to to read which uh to me is great because even if i am around she may not be listening listening to me when i talk yeah. so um <laughs> having having a cool comic book for her to occasionally look at you know might be a good way for her to pick up some lessons from old dad yeah it's like a translator between adult and teens <laughs> right <comic> exactly <laughs> that's really cool uh okay so what got you started on this idea you wanted to tell a story what sparked that story in you i mean you know ruination was a story that i've 
I've kind of always been working on. It, it was just one of those ideas that I just slowly refining and refining, even when I wasn't planning to do anything with it. Um, you know, and it, the intent behind it has always kind of morphed a little bit um, to kind of match like what was important to me at that point in my life. Um, and, you know, there were just so many things kind of going on in the world. You know, a part of what Ruination is about is, you know, is kind of touching on, you know, how does this generation fit into this larger world? They've kind of inherited what is, you know, largely a, a piece of crap. The world has been destroyed. Um, so kind of they're there at the inception of this, what is, could be another war. So what do they do about it? You know, do they just sit back and let the adults handle it? Well, the adults didn't handle it before. Why do we believe that they'll handle it now? Do they kind of work within the system and try to fix it that way? Well, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Do they just try to blow up the system and start, start you know, uh, you know, these are all topics that kind of our generation is kind of struggling with these days. Um, so to me, it felt like a good time to kind of tell this story and kind of work out some of that thinking myself as to, you know, how do I fit within this larger world that is, um, you know, constantly kind of blowing itself up, it feels like. And what's nice is you have enough diverse characters to where all the different sides of probably your own th thought process are expressed. You know, you do have that, like, let's blow the system up and like, hey, we have to toe the line. You have all those within these characters. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. All right, let's go and start talking about uh, Runation uh, and that team in particular. We have a lot of great characters here. And I want to shout out on the beginning of like uh, issue two and three and probably all of them. You have a breakdown of every character and what's currently going on with them. Also something that would probably be very good for the mainstream guys like Marvel and DC <laughs> have really used this tool. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about our characters here. Let's talk about Silas, the big bad, first of all. What, uh, what's his... Okay, so I know his parents were killed um, by Saldira. Is that how you say uh, it? Saldiria. Saldiria, there it is. Um, what, what else is driving him? I mean, we don't know exactly, you know, we know the highlights of what happened that day. Um, so for anyone who hasn't read it yet, um, he, when he was younger, Saldiria, who we think during the story are, are kind of the good guys, um, actually went and slaughtered his village and he ended up being the only one who survived. Um, so he's had this grudge his entire life and he's just wanted to um, destroy Saldiria. You know, he, he, he kind of recognizes that the fallen, the, the group that he belongs to has always been thought of as the bad guys and he sees well look at all this crap that they're doing you know yeah. they're slaughtering innocent people um so it's always this con constant you know kind of tit for tat between these two groups and um he wants it to end ultimately and he thinks the only way to end it is to eliminate Saldiria or at least the Saldarian leadership that seemed to constantly bring back this war every time the fallen try to you know appear so even the bad guy is wanting the war to end. <laughs> that shows yeah. the situation we're in. Uh, which, yeah. I mean, you know, to me is, is always the, the mark of a decent villain is they have a good intention. What makes them a villain is usually how they're going about it. Yeah, that's the perception. Uh, what I really am enjoying is, you know, these characters, nobody's perfect. And two of our characters are actually with Silas when everything kicked off. So we have Keela, who is, I mean, let's be honest, a badass, right? She's really, really cool um, and has the ability to, so far as we know, teleport. And then eventually it looks like she's got some sort of thought reading. Uh, 
what's what's the cap on her? What can she do? The so the thought reading is actually just her screwing around. She, oh, okay, she can't I read. fell she, for it then. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Uh, no, it's it's supposed to be a little bit a little bit vague, but it's it'll yeah. it's it's kind of a recurring joke. Um, but the the idea is that the crystals allow each person to kind of do something that is specific to that character. It's usually specific to that character's arc or what that character's need in life is. And um, we'll learn a little bit more about it in, um, I believe it's issue four, Mm -hmm. um, where she'll, she'll touch on, I might've pushed it to, um, but you know, she, her, her, what drives her is um, her need to kind of build um, a life for herself again. And, um, uh, we'll we'll get to this at some point but she was actually raised a Saldiria. um and you okay. can kind of tell um subtly by the insignia that she has on her hands mm-hmm. um if you notice all the Saldirians have the the red diamond insignia uh or the soldiers do all the fallen have the blue she has kind of a cross um version of it um and that has to go go back to her kind of origin story which we'll we'll talk about at some point but um you know she she is a fallen for a reason and it's not um it wasn't totally her doing but she she has always believed in peace and and she believes that the fallen are peaceful people and um you know what what she kind of reveals is that the fallen are not all one people they're not all necessarily rallied behind silas the fallen are kind of a, just a bunch of tribes that yeah. kind of get lumped together if you're not Saldirian, you're fallen. Um, and some of them have kind of rallied behind silas and say yeah screw the Saldirians. Um, but not all of them do. And, and Kayla is probably the most prominent one that is saying, this isn't, this isn't right, what you're doing. Um, and Nairi is, is kind of the second one, um, who really does not like what Silas is doing, but for one reason or another is kind of forced into, into going along with him for a while. And she has like Druid abilities and, uh, controls a really cool pet called Apollo. I love the name. Um, yeah, and and you could tell that she feels like almost like right hand man for a long time. There is she pretty high up in the ranks. Yeah, so she um, because like you said, she is she's a druid, so she's the only kind of natural magic user that we've seen so far. Um, so she 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 doesn't necessarily need a crystal to do what she does. She can enhance her abilities with a crystal, but mm-hmm. um, so Silas kind of keeps her around, and what we find out in in issue uh, three is that he's kind of coercing her to, to do his bidding. Um, so she does, you know, she, we see in the opening um, scenes is that she kind of immediately says, all right, this is, this is enough and helps um, Dante's sister, Ellen kind of escape the, that initial attack. Um, so she is also definitely not on, not on board and, um, you know, we'll kind of see, see the background as to why, uh, why she's been going along and helping Silas. Speaking of these crystals, they're, they're definitely a pivotal thing. And, and matter of fact, what launches the first story, right? The, the opening of the comic book. Um, are we going to get an explainer pretty soon on where these crystals are from? Or is it just been, that's naturally part of this fantasy world? Uh, we touch on it in, um, oh, issue, issue four is actually where we we get a lot more background on both the crystals and just kind of what's been going on um you know i it, it's interesting to see people's reaction to how we kind of rolled slow rolled the lore a little bit in this story uh, i'm always i've always been very much a fan of 
um, stories that kind of leave you a little bit wondering what's going on and then just kind of give you drips and pieces as opposed to just dropping exposition on you right at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and some, some people like it, some people don't. Um, but you know, I, I kind of wanted you to get in love with the characters a little bit and seeing them interact. And then we can start to kind of unwind, you know, the peel back the onion. That is the, the lore of this world. So you get a good chunk of it in issue four and we'll keep kind of spreading it out going forward. Even, yeah, it works well. Cause even if you think of like how I, I was like, I think she has mind reading, you know, even that we won't know until as the story goes on, we're like, oh, okay, no, she's messing with us too. Like yeah. everybody's getting messed with in this by her point of view, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So the crystals are obviously very important. Uh, and Ellen has one of the other ones. She's ran off now. I almost thought Ellen, I don't want to, you know, I, I think there's a lot more to her. I think she's going to be really pivotal to this. Um, is, is she going to gain more abilities? Do we know anything? Like, I don't want to spoil anything though. Don't have to spoil it. No, I, I mean, I will say we won't, um, we won't see her story completely play out for okay. a bit. Um, but we will definitely learn a lot more about her and what happened to her and um, what's going on with, with her. And um, even, I think the, the question that I get kind of most is how did she even get the crystal in the first place? Yeah. Um, which is, you don't necessarily need to know to understand what's going on right now, but it is, it's an interesting part that, um, that we'll definitely get to at some point. Yeah. And, I was kind of thinking like, well, the parents are gone, so it can't be something that the parents would like let us know happened. And Dante seems to not know much on the situation. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like we're waiting for her to pop up again and really kind of break things down. Um, Dante, he kind of reminds me of like, um, he he's just like that stalwart ally. Like he's not going to shake. Is, is that what we're getting from him? He just seems like he's probably not going to have any powers, but he will not leave your side. I mean, he, his, his kind of story is, is he was the, he's kind of the, I guess the, he's always been a little bit listless and um, kind of not sure of himself uh, and yeah. what to do with himself, but he always knew what was important to him when that was his sister. And he yeah. kind of got kicked out of his home essentially to go and be a soldier and, you know, kind of like going to the army to, to, to get yourself straightened out. Um, and then now he's going to feel this intense sense of failure um, thinking that something could have happened to his sister and that he didn't stop it. Um, so yeah, we're going to see him kind of suddenly go from being very unsure about his direction in life to yeah. this is my goal. Uh, I'm going to find my sister and I'm going to get the bastard that, you know, that started this all. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as opposed to, uh, Jalen, what we're going to see a little bit is, you know, he was raised within, you know, around soldiers. He very much believes in the Saldirian cause and um, he's going to be a little bit more conflicted about what he's doing and um, kind of wonder, you know, is what I'm doing the right thing? I don't know. I think it is, but this is what I've always believed in. Um, so he's not going to flip quite as quite as easily as Dante is in terms of like what my mission is here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh those two working off of each other, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. That's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see those two just different personalities and like almost like crossing each other in this conflict. And you know, two ships in the wind. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works. And then of course we also have uh, Jalen's watching over Rachel and Peter, um, two kids that were off to an academy. Uh, it right off Rachel, she's a little badass too. She's got those rocks. <laughs> Watch out, folks. <laughs> but yeah, uh, anything coming out of these kids that we should keep an eye out? Yeah, I mean. It probably shouldn't surprise you, you know, 
me having a daughter right before I wrote right. this, that <laughs> Rachel is going to be a character that is very important to me. And, um, you know, a little behind the scenes, I've always really liked characters when you start in, like an, a story or, or a TV series and you have a character who's kind of a B or C character and not important and ends up being super interesting later on. Um, yeah. You know, I love those types of characters and I think you'll see a little bit of that, that with, with them. Okay. So I want to make sure to convey to everybody listening and, and watching. Um, yeah, this, this cast is what it's all about. The story is happening around them. It's all about putting them into an environment and seeing how the cast works together. And uh, like you were saying before, you know, how, what should we do? Should we blow up the system? Should we work with it or anything like that? And you can see how each one of these personalities would fit quite well in this alignment chart that you're creating here. Um, and watching them evolve and change is going to be interesting over this run. Uh, how how many issues are you planning out for this? Um, I'm not saying quite yet because I don't want to. Okay. It it's not a hundred issues, um, but it, but there will be more than one arc. So I've divided them into six issue arcs. Um, so there'll there'll probably be a few of them where we'll by the time we get to the the end of the story. Okay, okay. So enough time uh, to really uh, see where these characters go and, and get a feel for them all and stuff like that. That's yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, and then. Let's go ahead and move into the art style and stuff like that. How much input did you have on the art? Because you were saying like you could either micromanage or let them go free, basically. What what level were you on the artwork on this? I mean, I I try very hard to be as collaborative as possible, and I like to give the team. I mean, I'm I'm not an artist. Um, I I I know if I like something or if I don't, but I don't. Yeah. I'm not you know in terms of the technical knowledge behind composition and things like that. That's not my specialty. Um, I you know, I'm here to tell a story. I want to let the artists have their, excuse me, have their input into that. So, um, you know, I try to let my scripts be as light as possible and just mm -hmm. give the information that's needed. Um, and then let, uh, you know, Julia, the line artist and Katie, the colorist kind of go from there. We do have, you know, group chats where we sit there and we bounce things off of each other. And, and um, you know, at, at the very least, before we start an issue, We'll we'll look at all right. Well, what's new? What do we have? What might be challenging here? Um, so, for instance, in issue three, where we start seeing the world, uh, we call it glitching, um, and yeah. uh, you know, you, what you what you think is there is not really there, and trying to figure out how to do that effect and how to make it look uh, interesting, um, we spent a lot of time on and and, and trying to. It's not you have to. A lot of people will just do this as an assembly line and just, you know, throw things over the wall to each other. But if the line artist isn't aligned with how the colorist thinks that we're going to achieve those effects, it's just, it's not going to work. Um, so we, we try very hard to be as collaborative as possible and um, just kind of stick to like our, well, what's our goal and how do we get there? Yeah. That particular effect too, you could tell it's so important that they nail that because you could really pitch it off as like, it's an illusion or are we in the matrix? You know, that, that effect is very important on how they did it. And they kind of have a little bit of a combination of both, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, you could tell that, that that would take a lot of collaboration to nail that down. Yeah. And that was, that was exactly what we were going for. We didn't want it to look necessarily like it was the matrix because this, you know, that we are fantasy. We're not sci-fi right, right. here at the moment, at least at the moment. So I don't want people to immediately go to, well, is this all fake? And then, then, you know, you're not really interested in that. Um, but you know, not necessarily be like, oh, is this a hologram or anything like that? You you wanted to get the feeling like, oh, 
reality is actively changing around them and just yeah. kind of, you know, almost like your, your brain is interpreting one thing at a moment and then another thing at, in the next. And that's kind of what we we're going for. And I think it looks really nice. It, it looks, yeah, it looks super cool. Uh, and then even just that world alone, because we spent a, an issue in the cave and then the first uh, part of issue three in this cave, which uh, you can tell there's a, that's another thing I want to know. There's a civilization that lived down there. You know, you want to explore what was going on with the civilization. There's always, I saw a lounge chair that's driving me crazy. <laughs> there was like a lounge <laughs> chair. I'm like, that thing looks pretty modern. So now I'm wondering, okay, what's going on with that? You know, mysteries upon mysteries. <laughs> um, but the design that, that these guys did, especially like when you see that big crystalline castle in the snowy world, uh, that had to take a lot of effort. That was something else. That's got to be a lot of teamwork on that one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I got to give a, a shout out to, to Katie on a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, going back to the, the first, the, the cave world, a lot of the aura that you see, none of that has lines in it. That is all hundred percent colorist um, embellishments. Um, Katie does a wonderful job with that type of stuff. Um, even just the borders of the page always have something in them, something yeah. going on to kind of like thematically bring you into the page. Mm -hmm. um, she does just an amazing job with that. And, and Julia is just really good at um, fantasy worlds um, and doing them in a, she has this semi-realistic style that I just, I love because it, the character is always consistent. You can tell what emotion they're expressing, expressing and that, which is surprisingly hard to get to. Yeah. Um, but you get enough of the fantasy um, especially in a in a shot like that where you're you're supposed to accept okay there is a giant ice and or crystal you know structure yeah, ice, there. I think what ice, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so getting that and and Julia actually went for some interesting techniques around the trees because we actually we spent a surprising amount of time talking about the trees and how they were going to change because when um, when you're initially looking at them, they are just regular trees with a lot of snow on them. As you get mm -hmm. closer to the, that palace, they're actually made of ice um, later on. And oh, there's like a transition period that we had to go through to, to get that look. Um, Cause the world changes a little bit, the closer you get to the, the palace. Um, and Julia just did an amazing job kind of getting that in there and mm -hmm. setting Katie up so that she could get those cool uh, ice looking effects. Yeah. Um, which is again surprisingly hard to do in a way that's not boring because you're just painting everything white. Um, so that was a little bit of a learning curve for me too. Just remembering, like, oh, if you just going to a snow world is not necessarily interesting to do in comics. If you do, if it's really just snow everywhere, you got to figure out some other things to put in there. Um, Ice Castle makes so much more sense than I was thinking. Because I'm thinking, because the whole time I'm like, okay, where are we going to figure out where these gems and crystals are coming from? So I thought, oh, this castle, it has them all somehow. Like I right away tied those two together. Snow, ice, that makes a lot more sense to me now. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, the, um, there's, like you, you kind of touched on, there's a backstory between these worlds. Yeah. And we're going to see more of them over time. Um, you know, why are they all kind of dead and abandoned? And yeah. we actually touch on that in issues four and and five um you know and and kind of what's going on and how they relate to the Siberia that they they all came from um but you know there's definitely a a, a thing i want to do at some point is you know maybe do another another curiosities from another world type anthology where we get a story in each of these worlds and see 
you know, something important that happens in, in each of them. So that's my, my brain thinking probably 10 years from now, but yeah, um, I'd like to, I'd like to explore those well a little bit more. It's, it's, it's fun to kind of just come up with them and just give these new backgrounds for, for everyone to, to see. But um, yeah, there's just, there's so much cool stuff that we, we kind of thought up um, that I want to explore. Yeah. All kinds of stuff cooking inside. It's just, it takes time to get it all out there, it's yeah. there to share. Um, okay. So where else do we go? I mean, this is so much cool stuff. Everybody's going to want to get their hands on this. Uh, your, your Kickstarter is starting on September 14th, correct? Yes. So okay. uh, Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. So uh, what kind of tiers are we looking at so people can get involved? So we try, we try to, we've got essentially four tiers if you're a new backer and four tiers if you're a returning backer. And we try to just make them simple. If you're a digital person, there's one for you. If you're, if you just want the books, you want the basic books, there's one for you. Um, if you want to get into picking your own variant covers, there's a tier for you there. And then if you just want everything, there's a tier for you. So we've got, you know, in addition to, um, we actually posted this really amazing variant cover that I'm just so in love with um, by uh, a per cat. Um, uh, so if you, if anyone hasn't seen that, please go look at it. It's just an amazing cover with uh, Kayla and Nairi on, on it. Um, but if you're into variant covers we, and we've got some, some cool um, other stuff like pins and stickers that we started doing with our last Kickstarter that we're going to do again this time. Uh, even I've got some uh, temporary tattoos sitting in front of me with Kayla's insignia oh, wow. as, a, as a stretch goal. Um, so lots, lots of cool stuff planned if, if, uh, if you're into that. Okay. All right. So uh, September 14th, guys, uh, I believe this, uh, we're going to try to push this out that day. Um, and then you guys can check that out there. Look, the link will be in the description so you guys can follow up on that. And then as the campaign goes, we'll keep sh reminding you guys over social media. Uh, on social media, where can people find you and, and keep up with your updates? Uh, best place is probably Twitter. My personal handle is DJARB. DJ um, you also got uh, Curious P Comics, uh, the publisher um, handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, also all good places to get in touch. Awesome. All right, guys. Again, we'll have links to all that uh, below as well. So make sure you guys follow up and uh, keep track of this. This is going to be a lot of fun to see what happens. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan, for joining us. I know. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. I will see you guys on Friday for a brand new Trek Freaks. See you later. Bye.